welcome to Realizing Your Potential, a leadership podcast from Accolade Wines. Accolade Wines is a leading wine company with famous wine brands loved around the world, including Hardee's, St. Hallett, Grant Burge, Bannerock Station, House of Arras, and Echo Falls. The show was originally recorded for our people as a learning and development tool, but due to popular demand, the Realizing Your Potential podcast is now available on Spotify and iTunes. We're your hosts. I'm Sophie Ellis, your learning and development specialist. And I'm Martin Martino, a learning and development consultant. In this first series, we interview experts within Accolade Wines for their leadership tips and advice as we build a high performance culture. Please get in touch with Accolade Wines on LinkedIn if you want to contribute or with any questions or comments. So let's get started. This is podcast number six. We're talking all about creating effective teams. Our guest today is Richard Lloyd. Richard is our general manager for European operations and supply chain. Richard, welcome. Thank you for having a conversation with us today. Why don't we start by you telling us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I've been with the business 10 years now. Uh, Incredibly proud and love heading up the European supply chain. So I actually relocated for this job. I used to live up in Nottingham and, and moved down to Bristol when we built the park. So I often talk about I was here when it was a muddy field and then have seen it grow to the pinnacle, probably in 2018, where we won UK Manufacturer of the Year, which was probably my proudest professional moment to achieve that with the team here. And it's just fantastic to see the site continuing to grow. We've had phenomenal success in in the last six months. Outside of of work and a bit about me, uh, I've got two young boys that keep me really busy. uh, As this is around uh, creating effective teams, I... The one book that that's shaped me quite a bit is a thing called the Chimp Paradox, and it's and I probably uh, quantify the one book. I don't read much. I'm I'm classed as severely dyslexic, which, which some people are aware of, and it's something that uh, changes, I suppose, the way you learn to work. And uh, therefore, reading loads of books isn't something I do. But the Chimp Paradox, I recommend, just gave me a phenomenal insight to my own behaviours and how my behaviours can impact others, but also to try and understand other people's. And I think that's really relevant when we're talking about teams. I think you have to be really cognizant of your own impact on others and also understand the position that others are coming at when they're talking to you. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Thanks for the book recommendation and for helping us to get to know you a little bit better. Through our lives and work, we find ourselves in many different teams. Some teams are far more effective than others. What do you think characterises an effective team? Um, An effective team. Um, I think there's a number of things that go into that. I think it's one of those things that you have to grapple with and, and learn over time. But I think I would put right up there at the top um, to have an effective team. You have to create the right forums where that team has what I call the freedom to think. What I mean by that is we often talk about this at the park, about individuals creating time in their day to step away from their daily tasks, to, to really think about where they are and, and how we're going to move forward. 
and I, I also translate that to a team. I think it's really important that a team finds space for itself um, to have that freedom to think, that time to step away and just consider strategically where they're going and, and, and what their focus should be. Um, the, the, the other part of the answer that I think I would go to is around diversity. Um, a lot of people talk about it these days, but I think with regards to effective teams, it, it, it's absolutely paramount that, that you have that diversity of gender, of experience from industries, of age, of everything out there, because then I think that ultimately that team is therefore going to look at, at challenges, problems, opportunities through a number of different lenses and ultimately be much better at coming up with an optimum solution. Are there any practical tips or examples of, of things that you encourage individuals in your own team or in the broader Accolade Park to do to to step away from their daily tasks, to, to find that space, to do that strategic thinking? We, we talk about our drumbeat, but, but people probably talk about their meeting schedule. So, so, so we have real clarity of purpose about what each meeting should be for. So we have very specific meetings that, that we'll look at, be it a 24-hour performance or look back at a weekly or a monthly performance. And those are your tactical meetings where we are having to make sure that we're delivering as a business the here and now. We then have very clearly other times scheduled as a group where we're not um, in that headspace and... I think it's been the challenge of the virtual world. I, I, I do think the environment is important. I think the environment can really help you as a team. Um, and the time of day that you do it is also important, in, in my opinion, because you have to find a way that works for all the team members that they've moved away from their daily tasks and that they can step away from their phones, from their mobiles. So... Um, I think a, a shorter answer, answer, Martin, is have your tactical meetings, make sure they're there, but also very much have scheduled your, your more forward-thinking strategic meetings. We, we're confident to go in without a tight agenda. Mm -hmm. I think in, in the world where, where we should be process-focused, at times I think it's beneficial for teams to be able to go in and let their conversations meander at times so that mm. you can get that context. And, and again, that's just about committing enough time and enough space for you as a team to do that. Yeah, lovely. Too, too tight to an agenda for every single meeting. You know, you're never going to really get that freedom yeah. of thought. Equally too loose, you're never really going to probably get through uh, the key points that you need to. So I think that nice balance. Um, have you found something that tends to work for the majority in terms of a good time, a good day of the week to do maybe some of this more strategic thinking, less operational stuff? Yeah, it, it's one of those bits where I, I'm talking about for an operational world, you know, we, we've got a large supply chain, a global supply chain. So a number of the team will have commitments with global phone calls in the morning. We want to make sure the site and the facility is up and running. So realistically asking one of the senior teams to step into a meeting at half eight nine o'clock i don't think is, is is the optimum time because there are going to be pulls from the tactical world happening so typically if we're going into a more strategic meeting it will be 10 o'clock ish um and we very much also steer clear from mondays um and from fridays mondays because typically again 
it's about setting up the business for delivering that week. Um, so we're typically somewhere between a Tuesday and a Thursday and at 10 o'clock onwards. But every team will have its own specifics. Sure. Um, sure. And, that's, and that works for us within a supply chain in Europe. And I think for me, what, what I'm hearing is there's intention, there's awareness of what, you know, that schedule in a week and those yeah. meetings are where they are for a reason. Um, right. It's not just the way we've always done it and never really questioned it. What do you think are the biggest barriers to creating an effective team? Top of this for me um, is a safe environment. That there has to be that safety, there has to be that trust to have those discussions, to be comfortable, to challenge each other, take that challenge in the right way, to also acknowledge where you're just not understanding a situation. Um, we've got a big complex business and, and, and at times it's just about a team member saying, I don't understand. So for me, right at the top, if that environment isn't safe, then I don't think you're ever going to get to a, an optimum place. And what I was hearing there was around recognising individual differences and being sensitive to those. Totally. It, it, for me, we talk about we want diversity and therefore you have to embrace that and therefore you have to acknowledge that if you put a diverse group of people together, they're not immediately probably going to be in a safe environment because they're coming from different aspects mm -hmm. so it's something for me you need to be explicit about and something that you need to be cognitive of and something you need to work on um but i don't think safe environments just happen yeah definitely and it's, it's that piece about being open about your own style about what works for you in order to create that safe environment rather than just expecting it to magically appear without kind of overtly explaining what your preferences are you make a really good point about diversity so, so much of of what we do day to day as human beings is try and avoid people who perhaps are not like us because you know that's that's sometimes difficult to deal with and it creates conflict and tension and disagreements which isn't always enjoyable but when we do have those diverse range of views and opinions that's often when we get the best results we get the newest ideas the most innovative so I think there's something there for managers to be mindful of. of you know, are you deliberately actively seeking out people who aren't like you? Um, and what can you do to bring some of those views and perspectives into your team, into your, your work, uh, if you aren't already? But it, I think it takes conscious thought to do that. I build on that, that it goes back to the psychological safety of, of the leader. I think mm -hmm. if the leader feels safe, Mm -hmm. I think they're more likely to recruit that diverse team because yeah. often I think it takes a bit of confidence. It takes a bit of time for you to recognize having that diverse team will ultimately, and, and, and it's the diverse thought that it brings will ultimately take you forward. Mm -hmm. um, but actually I think your immediate improvement um, might be slower so if you go and recruit a lot of like-minded people, I think you'll be very good at the here and now because you all get going, you all, and you hit it running, but then you hit a plateau of performance. I think mm. if you have the confidence to build that diverse team, you then expend the time to create the safe environment. Actually, the rate of improvement at the start is probably slower, but for me, it then becomes more exponential as you move on.
You've got heaps of experience leading or working as part of a variety of different teams, many of which have been super effective. You must have a great sense of what works for those teams and what makes them effective. Yeah, and I think it's about, for me, where you don't spend enough time on that safe environment. But then I think once you've done that, it's about making sure that there's very clear understanding around the objectives and also the framework. So I think for me, everyone wants that freedom of their own individual style as a manager and a leader. But as a team, I think you need to agree your ground rules. And I think your ground rules are on everything from your behaviours to, to, to sort of your values and making sure on your KPIs. Um, so for me, it, it's about spending that bit of time um, to structure all those different elements um, and all those things put together will then ensure that the team is effective. In terms of ground rules, you know, what do you think is most important? I think this is where it's about that environment. I think different teams have different principles and there'll be different priorities depending on their values, depending on their background. And I think it's really important to get them out in the open. And mm. some of them might be as simple as a time etiquette that might eat away at someone. Some of it will be around delivery and, and, and focus within a time frame. So I think there are a number of different bits of ground rules that um, it's worth trying to be explicit on and trying to get those down mm. paper at the start, because again, everyone's probably got their own standards and it's just about aligning them as a team. If you try and wheel out a generic framework of ground rules without involving the team and knowing the nuances of that team, it might just feel like a, a checklist rather than something really meaningful to our, our unique setup. How have you found the accolade behaviours have helped to bring teams together or help to create more effective teams within the organisation? Um, I think the great thing is about getting a common language. I think when you talk about um, global teams, cross-functional teams, I think they've been really useful in terms of clarity to align, to challenge each other, um, so for me, it's just about having something that is so clear and so bought into that, that, that everyone, um, that there's no confusion. So what would you say is the one piece of advice you would give to managers to help them become more likely to build and lead an effective team? They must have the skills to deal with people differently because we are all different in the way that, that we went through and we had a look that are we a good old panther or are we a peacock a good manager will adjust their style will take into account in my opinion um their colleagues and their other team members and ultimately i think a team also keeps evolving and, and, and I think you have to find that right window of review for whether it is your ground rules, whether it is your meeting schedule, there's all the different elements as a team, as, as, as the business demands change, as, as the team evolves, it might be that you have new team members join 
and it just subtly throws something out within the team. So I think it's that um, manager and leader that is is always being prepared to flex and move with the situation. Richard mentioned some animals there. And if you want to find out more about what he's referring to, make sure you listen all the way to the end where we explain what those four animals are in more detail. As part of the Realising Our Potential programme, we reflected a lot on the different styles and characteristics of individuals who make up each team. Richard, what did you learn about yourself and about your team? I discovered that we have the nice bit of diversity that we've aspired to and it's taken us a long time to build and to get there. Um, But I also think we discovered as a team that as much as the characteristics of the different roles are important, I think it's the perceptions. Mm -hmm. I think I certainly heard a number of team members and it certainly jarred myself to with my own style to make sure that my sort of strengths and characteristics, um, you know, particularly in this virtual world, people could pick up certain elements and perceive our styles in a way. So I saw through the last module for, for, for us to be reflective about where we are as a team, but also to be cognizant of that perception that you're putting out there as a leader. Yeah, and it sounds like to me also being really mindful of the current context that we're all working in, where a lot of that communication and that day-to-day interaction is perhaps lost. I think you have to put in extra work. I really think at the moment this virtual world that that because all those um, informal bits that, that that sort of build up a personality are sort of can be lost in in this virtual world, and therefore I think teams and individuals have to work even harder personal relationships you talk about becoming more conscious about how others might perceive you and your strengths how will understanding your own characteristics help you to become an even better leader and what actions can you and the team take i'm going to go all the way back to the start where i said as a team you've got to create time to think time to consider be where you go in your objectives we got the right amount of time focus resource but in the same way this module has enabled myself the team to slow down step back have a look at our styles discuss what our perceptions are and our strengths and take time to either adjust um, or actually just talk about it as a team just again, just to have that cognitive awareness of, um, yes, we've got different people around the table, around the team, that will always have a different working style. And we should embrace that. What a great point to end on. This is all about results through relationships within your team as a function and actually within the organisation as a whole. Richard, it's been great hearing your thoughts on effective teams. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. So Richard made reference to some animals throughout our conversation. What's this all about? 
Well, we've used four animals as a way to remember and describe the characteristics of human behavior. What motivates me and the strengths that I bring to a team are going to be different to what motivates you and the strengths that you bring. And it's a simple, fun, but really useful way of helping to understand ourselves better and why we do what we do, but also why others do what they do. And when you're aware and most importantly appreciate these differences, you respect them, that's when relationships between individuals, between team members, communication tend to be at their most effective. So let's get into the four animals. Panthers tend to be self-confident, forceful, quick to act. They're all about getting results, achieving tasks and goals. That's just what makes them tick. Dolphins, on the other hand, tend to be loyal, helpful, supportive. They're all about people, relationships, keeping that harmony. Owls tend to be reserved, methodical and analytical. For owls, it's all about getting it right. They're looking for quality, for process, for structure. Peacocks tend to be open to change. They're flexible and adaptable. They always collaborate because it opens up loads of different options and perspectives, which they really value. So for those leading teams, encourage your team to share their working styles. And based on what you learn about each other, agree your ways of working going forward, especially when your environment changes, as for most of us, it has done. Whether that's how you communicate with each other one-to-one, -one, as a team, what forums you use, what platforms, what technology, how you give each other feedback, you know, how we disagree or manage conflict. These are all really important components of any team, but we don't often spend enough time agreeing on what good looks like. And one final thing I think that is really important to say is that although we may have an animal or maybe two animals that come really naturally to us, that doesn't mean we can't borrow strengths from any of the animals. So for some of us, it's a bit of awareness in the first place and then deliberately de developing those other animal strengths and applying them when they don't come naturally. And that often is most needed when we're under pressure or when we're working with new teams. You know, there's a great quote by Frances Frey that I think sums it all up. She says, if you create conditions of trust that allow diverse team members to bring their unique perspectives and experiences to the table, you expand the knowledge your team can access and you create an unbeatable advantage. That's it for this podcast. We hope you found this episode interesting and the topic sparked your curiosity to find out more. We have plenty of materials and resources to support this episode, so please don't forget to check the show notes. For more leadership content, follow Accolade Wines on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks.